boom there it is ladies and gentlemen you know what the worst thing is when you actually reach a level of success and you have some assets is that you might lose them and if you don't want to lose these assets that you worked your ass off to get then maybe you ought to pay attention to this episode let's get this one on the road here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real life stories of entrepreneurs but before we start i have one small favor to ask please leave a comment it could be advice critiques tips feedback or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency so thank you and welcome to another episode of business are you a business owner, real estate investor, or high net worth individual worried about protecting your hard-earned assets from potential lawsuits or creditors? Our guest today is a nationally recognized asset protection attorney who will share his expert insight on how you can safeguard your wealth and minimize risks. He has been featured on various top shows and publications, and his accomplishments speak for themselves. Get ready to learn valuable tips and tricks from the best in the business. Now let's welcome to the show, Mr. Brian Bradley. Now the party can begin, Brian. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, it's going to be an important topic and I'm going to try to keep it fun and not legally dense here. And, you know, I'm not anyone's attorney or legal guru here. You know, we're just going to be talking in generalities. And I think that we're going to learn a lot and try to break through a lot of these weird, you know, um, uh, mysteries of, you know, what asset protection is, how it even works, what doesn't work and a bunch of the BS you might be hearing out there. All right. I'm down with that because uh, let's face it, sometimes look, my degrees in accounting and if I try to talk about accounting, I put people to sleep. So I try to bring as much energy, and you know, I love how you're going to make it generalized here. What are the biggest challenges that you think uh, high net worth individuals or just people with assets face when it comes to the whole idea of protecting their assets? I think that they don't do anything. You know, that's one of the worst things is they kind of ride on lady luck, you know, um, and that's not an asset protection plan. And generally they don't think about it. It's got human nature, right? You don't think about what can go wrong until it does go wrong. And then you try to fix it after the fact. And when it comes to asset protection in the legal world, if you're trying to do it after the fact, that's called fraud. And so it, do it doesn't work. And so anything that you have to set up to try to protect your assets or your money, your wealth needs to get done before you're getting sued, before you're under attack. It's just like creating a castle or an empire. You don't sit there and then create your castle and say, hey, you know what? We're going to go wait to build the moats and get the archers up there, you know, and create farther areas of defense until after the Viking wards coming in and attacking us. You want some layers of protection out there before the enemy comes in and starts attacking you. Same thing with the legal sense, the same thing with asset protection. Um, the other one is just people, I don't you know, penny wise, dollar stupid. You know, they either try to self-create systems that are going to get tested in court by other lawyers on their own. And they're, you're not lawyers. You don't know really what you're doing or what should be done. So you're trying to save a buck which makes sense because you're investors, but at the end of the day, it's not your profession. It's not your field. So you should hire the professionals, let the professionals do what they do so that when you are under attack by that attorney on the other side, who wants to take everything that you have, you actually probably have a better product up there that a court's going to be picking through. Um, 
some other you know ones that people do just they think llcs are dragon slayers and they forget about the first word first letter limited and so that's why you layer up your protection so at the end of the day you know biggest thing is just do something something's better than nothing i love that llc you think you're you're a dragon slayer all of a sudden you're game of thrones you got an llc and nothing's gonna stand in your way man you can go out and do whatever and you're protected nope it's limited liability yeah. so all right. So how can business owners protect their personal assets from potential lawsuits? I mean, everybody fears that. I have this whole uh, idea of success that the more successful you are, the bigger the target is on your back. And if you're not protecting yourself up front, then that target seems to be bigger and bigger and easier to hit, right? Correct. And, you know, and sometimes you can have a, uh, a misconstrued target. You know, you can be, for example – a doctor just out of residency, meaning you're poor as dirt with a lot of, you know, medical school debt. Um, but now that you're making a little bit of money, what do most doctors do? Yeah, I'm going to go out and buy a BMW. I'll go buy two BMWs. Got my white coat on driving my BMW. Poor as dirt with all my medical school loans. You hit somebody with your car. What do they see? Dude or chicks driving a BMW with a white coat on has to be rich. Cha-ching, I'm going to sue the hell out of this person and start, and start taking what they got. So you need to realize what people perceive you as is not just what you actually are. So like you said, your target's going to keep growing as you add more. And I think we need to start kind of with like, what is this even word asset protection? Like, what are we even trying to accomplish, right? And I think what people need to do is like, it's modern estate planning. And what we're doing is just placing legal barriers between your assets and the potential creditor, meaning the person suing you to collect all your money before it's needed. And again, that's the key word, before it's needed. And so it's just like a barrier, like a safe for your gold or your guns or your valuables and jewelry. You know, anything of value, you want to put behind the legal barriers and out of your personal name so that it's not easily attached with the lien or reach. So again, we're taking personal assets out of your name and into the proper legal entities. Just think of it like the rich. I always like the Tony Robbins saying, success leaves clues. The rich don't own things in their personal name. Their businesses do. Their trusts do. They still get the beneficial use and enjoyment out of them, but they're separating out the legal you know, liability side of it. It's not like you know, hiding money or moving assets to not pay or avoid taxes. And I'm going to really hit on this point right now um, because that's illegal. And I get a lot of calls, especially as this economy is starting to go, you know, sideways here and people are starting to panic, calling like, hey, I want asset protection and, you know, I don't want to pay taxes. That is illegal. That's not what asset protection is. Asset protection is about protecting yourself against creditors and lawsuits, not about, you know, not reporting money to the IRS. And so you really need to keep the, those two, you know, things separate. Let me ask you about that. I want to dig a little bit deeper on that, the difference between evasion and avoidance, right? Because yeah. avoiding... This is 100% legal. This is Correct. where we use all the rules in our favor. I love using the example of, of the first time you played Monopoly. The first time you ever played, you probably sucked. But the second time you played, you had a chance of winning. The difference between first and second time is you knew the rules to the game. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall praise. They don't really understand the rules. And so they're trying to evade when they should be trying to avoid. So uh, and, and let me ask you this because – People think that getting an LLC, starting a C-Corp, starting an S-Corp, starting a trust, all of a sudden they're able to avoid a lot of these taxes, but oftentimes they misconstrue the two, right? Creating yeah. these entities is about liability protection. It has additional tax benefits, but they're done for asset protection, right? 
Correct. And you still have to report your income that's coming in. Remember, you're taxed on worldwide income, whether it's yourself or into your business structures or entities. You know, and so you always have to report that. What I like to think of the tax code is as a treasure map. And the treasure map tells you kind of where to invest to get the best tax benefits and credits back to you. Um, and so when you're creating LLCs or S-Corps, there's some tax mitigation strategies based off of how you're telling the IRS to tax you that your CPA and wealth managers can use. It doesn't mean that you're not going to pay taxes. It just means that there's there's different tax codes that they can utilize to help decrease the amount of taxes or forced depreciation or cost segregation analysis or all these cool fancy things that your CPA can talk to you about or your wealth manager. But it doesn't mean, hey, you know what, I'm going to put all my money into this LLC or S-Corp and pay nothing or you know, a great one to piggyback off of. I know we haven't talked about trust yet, but we will, is you see a lot of these schemes about, you know, offshore, you know, put all your money offshore and pay no taxes. I work a lot of offshore and offshore trust because that's just what we do, you know, a hybrid offshore trust, Swiss bank accounts. But if you ever hear someone say, hey, go create an offshore, you know, business entity or an offshore trust, and don't disclose it and don't pay the taxes on it, you're a one-way ticket to be audited and then have the tax penalties and potentially go to jail if you can't pay all that money back. Because as a U.S. resident and taxpayer, you are taxed on your worldwide income and you have to disclose all assets through like 1035s, 1035As, factored disclosures that are in offshore entities and accounts. If you don't, big no-no on the IRS. And the IRS has... Um, a specific warning on their page. You can just go onto their page on the IRS and type in, you know, IRS offshore um, like tax schemes. And they have a whole page listing identifying how these schemes are played out and how to be cautious of it. And so again, if you hear someone say, hey, you'll never have to pay taxes again, you should be getting like red alarms like, hey, we'll watch out. Like this seems like a shark or, or you know, some sneaky person like hang up the phone. And I love that. I love that because you hear that all the time in almost every yeah. single movie, right? Which is yeah. obviously where we get all our information from, right? It's got to come right. from a movie or it doesn't exist. That's how we got time travel back to the yeah. future rules, right? Yeah. So- <laughs> well, the problem also is you have like really bad CPAs or attorney salesman promoters going into like newbie investors, telling them all these magical words just to like quickly close them. And then none of that stuff works. And then mm-hmm. the problem is even if you're duped, you're still legally responsible and liable with the IRS on it. It's not like, oh, hey, like I got one pulled over on me, Your Honor. Sorry, IRS, my bad. Like, please forgive me. They're like, great, now pay us more money. Yeah, and I don't think people realize that the bottom of the return where you sign on your 1040, it says, I declare under penalty of perjury, right? That I'm aware of what's in this return. Like you're literally saying and signing that you understand what's on this tax return and regardless of whether it's right or wrong, it is your responsibility. And, and how many people you. actually go back, you submit your forms, your all your information to your CPA. They say, hey, here's your tax tax return. Go file it, sign it and file it. How many people actually go back through it and make sure it's all done right? I don't think nine out of 10 people actually do that. They just sign it and submit it. Yep. Yep. They don't, they don't read it. They don't know under, they don't understand how to read the 1040. That's why they hire the CPA to do it. All right. Let's talk about a good way to structure stuff. Cause everybody on TikTok seems to be an expert. You start with a trust, you start with an LLC for each individual property. You have all these kinds of structures. 
if someone's just getting started, maybe they're married, they have a couple kids and they're starting to get maybe one, maybe two properties, what would be a, yeah. a, a good example of a, a strategy? You know they're going to increase in their earning potential. You know their assets are going to grow over time. Uh, where do they start at? How do they structure it? Great, great question. So like I want to I answer it by saying like let's think of it like key concepts and winter, okay? Um, and I want to break it down through a, a, an analogy of winter, not because it's like Game of Thrones or anything and winter's coming, but <laughs> you know, you kind of got my brain going into that route. Um, but the first entry layer is your base layer, okay? And this is the layer that sits on your skin. This is an LLC and insurance. This is when you're just starting out investing, kind of like with your hypothetical that you gave. You know, you have zero to three units or properties. Um, you have an exposed net worth of about $250,000 or less. And when I say exposed net, net worth, I'm talking about the equity, not the value of your properties, for example. So if your home's worth a million dollars, but you only have you know $200,000 worth of equity, your total value is not a million dollars. It's just you only have $250,000 worth of equity. That's what you're worth. And I'm taking out 401ks and IRAs because 401ks are exempt through ERISA and every state has exemptions for your, your, your um, IRAs. So we're taking those out of your equation. Um, so we're looking at entry layer, LLC with insurance, zero to three units. Most likely you have a, you know, probably a low risk job or you're a doctor, lawyer, CPA, just starting out to cross invest into other assets, your net worth below $250,000 exposed. Then you're growing, right? You're adding more assets. You hit around that four unit mark. Um, you're investing now probably in multiple states. So we have, you know, two, three, maybe four LLC set up for you in different states, depending on where the assets are at. Um, you've hit around that $500,000, $700,000 net exposed mark. This is when you want that a mid-layer section, which is a little bit thicker. It's going to be like a merino wool sweater or like a cardigan for you ladies. This is a management company. Some people use Wyoming LLCs. We use limited partnerships for you know different reasons, um, which I can break down if we have time later on. Um, but you, you're, you're going to add a second layer of protection, and it's also going to help you because it's going to give you easier tax flow. So all of your base layer, you know, skin layer LLCs will flow into that management company. So it gives you one tax filing at the end of the year, just one K one. And then when you hit around that one million net worth mark, um, you want an outer shell waterproof layer. You know, like your big strong winter coat. Um, this keeps you nice and dry and warm when the weather is really bad. This is your doomsday lawsuit protection layer, and this is your asset protection trust. And then trust, there's lots of different types of trust, which we can break down. But that third layer, that top layer is going to be an asset protection trust. But by layering like this, you're now more flexible. You can adjust and make yourself more comfortable. Like you can take the base layer off, the mid layer, the jacket. And that's what you want with an asset protection plan. You want to be more flexible. And so when you're talking to an attorney and someone like figuring out what kind of system that you want, just remember this acronym ECCC, effectiveness, control, cost, and compliance. It's going to have to be effective. It can't warrant some attorney saying, you know what, this is a bunch of junk. I can pierce through this and we're going to get all that money. You still want to be able to control and manage your assets. The cost has to be reasonable. You have to be able to afford at the stage of your life that you're at right now, what it is that you're creating. And then the compliance on the IRS side can't be so complex that you and your CPA can't figure it out because then you're never going to stay in compliance and it just won't work. All right, let's talk a little bit about that compliance and the piercing because I think that's one of those things where like, okay, cool, I had an LLC, I set that up for my property, but you're not acting like a company and you're still yeah. paying stuff personally and there's a lot of stuff that gets commingled here. Mm -hmm. What happens if you set up these layers of protection 
but you're not actually using them the way they're supposed to be used. Correct. And this is really actually, you know, even more difficult when you're talking about real estate because real estate's just different. You don't operate the business through the same LLC that holds real estate. So one of the easiest ways to pierce an LLC that you use as a holding company for real estate is just saying, Your Honor, this is an extension of them. It does no business. It's just a holding company. Mm-hmm. That argument, that's why you layer. Then you add the management company and then the trust because that argument would generally pierce that veil nine times out of 10. Then the next arguments are most people, like you said, the magic word, commingling assets. When you're running a business, you need to use the the money in that business bank account for business expenses, not saying, hey, you know what? We forgot the credit card, but I had the business card. Let's go buy groceries. Now you're commingling assets or putting personal money in the business account, the business account you're using personally. So you want to be very specific on how and when you're using money. Business assets, you know, Business purchases go through the business. When you want to use the money for yourself, you pay yourself out of disbursement to your personal bank account, then go buy groceries, then go get gas, then go on the vacation, then go do these things. Um, but you need to not commingle assets because that's one of the easiest way to pierce through a veil is treating that LLC or business entity like it's yourself. It's just an extension of you. And then a lot of issues then come into like funding issues. People create these LLCs and fund them incorrectly. And, you know, like there's tons of ways to pierce LLCs veils. That's why they're the lowest entity on the totem pole when it comes to asset protection. But something's better than nothing. Right. So you got to start somewhere. It's always at an LLC. Then as you grow and scale and add more assets and more risk and liability, then we just add the other layers. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, the base layer was LLC and insurance, right? Yeah. And this is kind of that that backup layer of the insurance side that I don't think people quite understand, especially when you're first getting started, right? Yeah. When you're first getting started, I would even say before the base layer, I would go this one as the underground when you're a sole yeah. proprietor, right? You got to at least have some insurance coverage. When you're talking about the base layer and the LLC, what kind of insurance are we talking about? I would just go get, you know, like get renter's insurance, business insurance. It really just depends on what it is that you're doing. And so, um, and you also need to realize the limitations of insurance because a lot of the misconceptions are, I, I got an LLC and insurance. I'm good. Who cares? You know, and you need to know what are your claim limits? How many people actually know what your claim limit is in your insurance? I can guarantee you probably nobody listening would raise their hand. They just have no clue. Or like, what are the escape clauses in the insurance policy? Because they're not going to cover you for fraud or intentional wrongs. And intent in the legal sense is not saying, you know, the same as like, I don't like you. I punched you in the face. Well, that's an intentional act. But in the legal world, let's just use real estate, for example. It can be as simple as sending an email. Yeah, the plumbing was done and there's a big plumbing issue. And now you have a million dollar you know, lawsuit based off of that. The intent there was you typing the email and clicking send. That's intent in the world of the legal sense. And so once that is established, your insurance provider creates through their attorneys, hence why there's attorney, you know, uh, insurance defense attorneys, right? They have their own attorneys. They don't want to pay big claims. So they're going to say, you know what? Now this lawsuit has a potential claim of intentional wrongdoing. So we're not going to pay that claim. We're not going to pay you. If you think we're wrong, go ahead and sue us. So now you're getting sued while you now have to go sue your insurance provider. So you're facing, you got to do a double lawsuit there. So just realize insurance is good. They're good for the small things. But if they had to pay every claim in the world, and especially multi-million dollar claims, they would go bankrupt. It's not how mm-hmm. they pay in business. 
All right, let's talk uh, another one. Speaking of intent, people go into a marriage intending to stay together forever, but obviously 50, maybe even 60% of the time, it doesn't work out. Speaking of asset protection, I always love to use the example uh, of Jay-Z and Beyonce, both successful in their own right, uh, living in a community property state. They acquire assets or build assets together. Give me some heads up here. I'm going to let you kind of free reign here. Setting things up ahead of time, prenups maybe, or what happens with postnuptials. What's some strategy to protect yourself in the event that you get a divorce, even though your intent was not to? Yeah. So if you're going to, if you have assets coming to the table before you get married, get a prenup. Is that ironclad? Well, I got a prenup. No, they get pierced all the time. You know, and that's all going to be argued in court through, you know, your family law attorney, because then you also say like, okay, hey, I had, you know, a million dollars worth of assets, but then there's appreciation and growth during the communal period. So there's a big issue right there is great. Yeah, you had this starting at this cost and then you had five million dollars worth of appreciation and growth during, you know, the marriage. So now we're going after that. So there's ways to pierce into those into the, you know, prenups. Postnups generally don't have much clout to them because there's they weren't bargained. There's no bargain for exchange on those. And most states don't really give them much credence. Um, even prenups aren't very strong. It's just good to have. And then you match the prenup with the operating agreements of the LLCs and the trust that you create to kind of help strengthen into it. Um, but asset protection is not divorce planning. So don't think it's going to work. It doesn't work. It can't work. And the reason is because of that word you said is, you know, community assets. It's not like a creditor who has no legal right to your assets trying to come and take them from you. In the world of the law, once you're married, they are both you and your spouse's assets. So what is going to be determining is either you two agreeing on who gets what or a judge telling you who gets what. And there's no asset protection planning in the world that can stop that kind of order. And I do the Cook Islands Trust, strongest trust in the world with Swiss bank accounts. They still wouldn't even tell you no to that judgment because your spouse has legal access to their assets. Dude, it's a scary time. All right, let me ask you this, man. So uh, Andrew Tate was a big thing uh, recently oh. until he got uh, picked up in court. Toxic masculinity is a big a thing going on right now. I've been telling like some of my students have been asking things like, should I get married? Like, is that a thing? And I always keep telling them, you know what, is, as a guy, it is not in your best interest right now to get married. Damn. However, I'm not telling you to be single for the rest of your life Damn. either. So I'm going to ask you for legal advice here. <laughs> I, I told them instead of getting married, start a trust together or start a company together. It's still some paperwork that you fill out. You're still working towards something together. But the disillusion in that case, if you guys decide to separate, is a little bit easier. Am I giving some decent advice here? Or am I way it depends on the state also because some states now have like common law marriages and um, like other terms for it. Like you know, if you have like a living girlfriend or boyfriend and you've been living together under the same roof for – you know, X amount of years and they're just going to consider you married, you know, and like, it, it's just getting crazy. And like, I'm, I'm divorced. And, you know, so my, my take on it is 
date carefully and vet the person that <laughs> and really, really vet. Don't swipe. Don't swipe. <laughs> that you're, that you're, out on a, you're with. Like, ultimately, I don't want to be alone. Like, no one wants to be alone, right? And I'm a romantic. I believe in love. And if I found that right person, like, I would want to get married. And there are tax benefits of having, you know, getting married together. Um, and that loyalty. But like you said, like, with the, the man-hating and the masculinity, you know, going under attack, um, it, it's dangerous out there. So you really have to be careful and test the person that you're with and make sure your values are aligned. Um, and you're only going to know that over time. I have a buddy who's just recently dated is dating this girl. Um, they've only been seeing each other for a couple of months and is already like, oh, I'm in love. We're going to get married. I'm like, dude, tap the brakes, bro. You know, like, <laughs> and her, she should be like slapping you in the face, telling you like, whoa, man, like, wake up. We need to get to know each other and make sure we're aligned on those principles beforehand. So I would just, um, really te test and vet. And then if you feel like after a year or two, you wanted to get married, do it. If you have assets, then get the prenup. And if she does, you know, or he push back on it, there's an issue there. You know, there shouldn't be an issue. If you're both are coming to the table, equally understanding, like these are mine, this is yours. Let's get a prenup. Let's get a trust. Let's get a business entity. Let it all match together. Then what we grow together are great. If something were to happen, we'll, we'll divvy up. Um, and I think it just comes into the vetting process. Dude, it is uh, definitely scary times. Vetting uh, vetting business partners is almost as difficult as vetting your your potential spouse, man. You just never oh, know what's yeah. going to happen down the yeah. line. Uh, it's, it, it's scary, but like I said, like I am a romantic at heart, so like I'm not gonna, you know, if I didn't did meet the right next person, like I wouldn't say like no, I'm not going to get married, but I sure as hell am going to make sure I, I I look for red flags a lot better. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, dude. I've I've been with mine uh, twenty two years, so yeah, I know I know what it's like. I, yeah. I've I've seen both sides. I've seen them come. I've seen them go. Um, and it's it's not the easiest situation. All right, let's go back to uh, to some of these entities. Yeah. How can someone ensure that their asset protection plan stays up to date and stays relevant? What are some things yeah. that people have to do? annually to make sure that their entities are in place to protect themselves in case they do get sued later on. Like, like pay your registration fees. And then, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of people forget, you know, they're like, Oh, they do, they moved it onto a digitally. And I got this email and I deleted it cause I thought it was spam. And then I didn't pay my LLC registration and like, oops, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, or the other ones are, you know, do you have to file tax returns on it or not? Do you have disclosures or not that you have to do? That's where you need to stay in contact with, you know, this is why I don't like, you know, these legal Zooms and people who, you know, do all this template crap for, for free and it's all knockoff stuff is, well, what happens when this at the end of the year, when you have to keep this up to date or you do get sued and it needs to work, like who's going to represent me and who's there? That's where the professionals come into play. That's why you want to have a relationship with your attorney. That's why you want to have a relationship with your CPA. And I hate when people, and I talk to my, like I have, you know, good CPA connections. And I was like, man, I wish my clients talked to me more often throughout the year because there's so much your CPA or wealth managers can do from you from a tax perspective. If you just talk to them quarterly, at least, you know, they have no idea how much more money you, they'd be able to, you know, find for you and save. And the same thing with your attorneys. Tell me what you're buying. Tell me what you're selling. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me when you hit somebody with your car, nicked an artery and surgery. Don't tell me when you get the demand letter in the mail, because there's so much more I could have done beforehand, you know? So, um, the annual, the annual stuff is just like one, keeping it current, paying the, you know, you got to pay your franchise tax. So people are like, I, I don't want to pay the franchise tax. Well, every state in the U S is going to charge you a franchise tax. 
Tax planning is not asset protection planning. Protect your assets as strong as you can. Work with let your work with your accountants and CPAs and wealth managers to let them then do their magic to save save the money. Dude, that's the biggest key right there. I wish you know as as I have a a small tax practice that I had for a number of years. Uh, same thing on the insurance side, and every single professional out there says the same thing. Talk to me. Reach out to me once a quarter. I, don't don't come at me, you know, at the end of the year and talk about how can you save me in taxes. The year is over, bro. Like, Brian, like, like, <laughs> it's like, what can you do with this mess? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got to be proactive. You got to try to do things ahead of time, prepare for things, plan for things. Then you're going to get the, the the best result. And I, I, I like what you said earlier, you know, trying to save a penny and 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 not messing around and and you could be saving big bucks if you just sat with your partners here who are on your team by the way they want you to be successful brian wants you to be successful that's why he's here the more he can help you the more value he has in this in this game all right brian before we head out because we're running low on time i want to make sure um you shared a lot of information how people kind of structure things you gave them a, a good understanding how to how to, how to protect their assets, everything from the beginning over the long haul when they're making over a million dollars in assets, uh, whether they're valued over a million dollars. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to reach out with you, how can they do that? Yeah, jump on my website, www.btblegal.com. I think it's strolling on the bottom there. Um, the And I keep my, my website as an educational resource. Lots of case law, lots of educational videos, frequently asked questions because I want you educated. This is not something that even a lot of attorneys and CPAs are taught on, especially when you get into the hybrid, you know, offshore trusts that are domesticated in the world that I work in. Most people don't, don't you're not taught that. And so jump on my website, learn what works, learn what doesn't. That way, when you talk to other people, you can ask better questions. And if they don't have answers for them, then you know you should move on to the next person or at least like educate yourself to ask proper questions. Um, shoot me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at btblegal.com. I do like I'd rather give you a 30 minute free consultation and just like, pick my brain and I'll give you my thoughts. And then you can shop it around and see what other people think or if like, hey, I like this, you know, and it works and we're a good, you know, client vibe, you know, fit for each other, pro, you know, client profile. Great. Then we'll, we can, you know, see if we can work together or not. All right, Brian, uh, I got a, I got a selfish question here at the yeah. end. I'm pretty sure you've been doing a number of different podcasts. Uh, like me, you come from a field that doesn't always have a ton of energy to it, but I'm hoping I did you some justice. What was your experience like uh, today on the Business Bros podcast? Oh, man, it was great. I loved it, like especially like the energy and it was more just conversational, you know, so I, so I liked it. And the, how you were able to like throw in, you know, your own real life experiences on a topic that many people wouldn't be, you know, don't chime in on. Dude, it's been a fun time. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, website scrolling across the bottom. But for those of you listening, not watching, it's real easy. www.b as in boy, t as in Tom, b as in boy, btblegal.com, btblegal.com. You can also shoot Brian an email because he's like me. He's old school. He'll answer his emails. Brian at btblegal.com. Get as much education as you can. Look, these are hard-earned assets you put your time blood sweat and tears to start building that asset portfolio the worst thing that can happen is you lose it in the blink of an eye because you didn't prepare ahead of time this is your calling right now make sure you reach out one more time btblegal.com get the best advice you possibly can and then take action brian thank you very much for coming on the show ladies and gentlemen we'll catch you guys on the next one peace 
and we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast, but not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today.